Hello, and welcome to this Oklahoma City edition of the Low Key Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's naturally delicious with flavors like honey, chocolate, vanilla, and maple. And if you have a sweet tooth, go try their peanut butter cups, which come in white chocolate and dark chocolate. And if you don't have your low-key swag yet, there are t-shirts on sale at www.lowkeypodcast.com. Now, without further ado, Twisted Spike. It's nice. It's easy. It's low-key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Low Key Podcast. I'm here with Bruce Sanchez from Twisted Spike Brewing Company. Yes. Um, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Good. Enjoying, uh, enjoying another day with beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oklahoma City seems to be kind of quiet right now, but um, it's looking pretty nice. Got the downtown area where we are, uh, right out, just east of Broadway on 10th. Is in is in Automobile Alley. Yeah. So it's not really down in Bricktown. Um, as things are really reurbanizing in downtown Oklahoma City, the Automobile Alley Midtown areas are experiencing probably the the most growth in Oklahoma City right now. Okay. Um, so you are the owner, founder. Yep. And brewmaster. Yep. Kind of describe what what a brewmaster is. Well, uh, I've been a home brewer for 25 years. Okay. So I have hun- literally hundreds and hundreds of, of batches of beer under my belt. Um, for the last 10, 15 years, did a lot of competitions. Uh, was able to get a lot of feedback from judges on various uh, beer-related uh, issues, whether it was contamination or flavors or carbonation or yeast. So. Uh, all that experience has developed into pretty much every every home brewer's dream as owning your own full-scale commercial brewery. Yeah. So I've taken all of my most decorated beers over the last 25 years and have them on tap in the first year. So our first year, uh, we've been able to maintain eight full uh, eight beers year-round. And in production and we uh, do various uh, adjustments to them whether we want to barrel age them or uh, add some fruit or do a, any kind of infusing so we have a access to a lot of different variants of all those beers as well so it gets mm-hmm. a lot of fun so what the brewmaster does is is in charge of pretty much all of the logistics so we have three uh, 30 barrel bright ta- 30 barrel fermentation tanks here one bright tank so the brewmaster is in charge of making sure the recipes are uh, manufactured correctly uh, maintain records on all of the fermentation parameters mm. whether how, how quickly they're being fermented how long they're in the fermentation tank when they need to come out 
when they need to go into packaging, and then when they're going to be rotated out. So all of the logistics required and getting beer from point A to point Z is is pretty much my responsibility. Yeah. So how how did how did you get that like how do you get that title? The brewmaster. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, do you just give it to yourself? <laughs> pretty much. When you go pro, you can call yourself whatever the heck you want. I guess, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> and, and having a hundred beers under your belt, that, oh. that does, I mean, help a lot. Yeah. 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 I pro- if, if I brewed a beer, I probably would... You could be the brewmaster in your house. Yeah, brewmaster in my house. But <laughs> it'd be terrible to share with my friends. <laughs> I'm not to that level yet. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but we'll see. Um, so tell us a little bit about... What made you start Twisted Spike and kind of the journey, the story? Right, right. Um, uh, about yeah. three years ago, uh, my wife and I, I had always had it in the back of my mind, but uh, economically, I'm, I'm an electrical engineer, my, my day job, and uh, it didn't make a lot of business sense years ago to do that. I mean, I'm, I really enjoy my day job. Yeah. Um, I'm, and the things that needed to line up to have a brewery for me started when, okay, my kids are all old enough and off in college and graduating and independent. Hmm. And though we saw that the, a lot of the movement towards the modifications and the laws were coming on. So there was, there was a grassroots effort in craft beer in general that uh, was pushing a lot of the legislature and a lot of the able commission to change a lot of things. So we saw those changes coming and then we also wanted to see where the best location would be. So the three things that we had to have, in my view, were a downtown, cool downtown location. We had to have the laws changed. Yeah. And I, I needed to find something that I could actually afford and create uh, an environment where you can be successful in the brewery business. There's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's like any startup or any, uh, small business that those first you know three years are key to success mm-hmm. I mean you know, no startups are automatic you know I as this is my actual you know first ish business venture I mean I'm an electrical engineer but that has all been not in a commercial that's been a, a, yeah. a government position so choosing 52 to become an entrepreneur was a a big leap of faith on both mine and my wife's and we have yeah. a lot of partners involved that helped me finance this animal. So uh, those we saw that about three years ago, and we business planned for it. And then as we were actually um, building, my um, initial plan was to have the brewery first, get that up to speed, get start production, and then take the other half of the building and turn it into the, the tap room. Yeah. You know, do one thing at a time. And right about the time we were about to finish the brewery, the Oklahoma legislature passed Senate Bill 424, which allowed breweries to have their own tap rooms. Yes. So before that, we were ready to operate as two separate entities. You know, my wife's LLC was going to own the, the, the tap room, and we were going to you know, sell beer out one side of the building over to the distributor and buy it right back <laughs> and put it on tap and really just have our beers on tap. It would have been, been pretty much... A, a bar dedicated to Twisted Spike beers. Yeah. So when that legislation fell in our lap, we were like, sweet, that was one out of three of the requirements <laughs> down. 
to where it, it becomes a much more sustainable business-wise financially when you have a when you can sell beer directly and you recoup all those margins that don't go by the distributor or the retailer. Yeah. So it, it really helps. You know, it's very cyclical, very seasonal. Uh, it's not a constant, steady funding stream, especially during the week, as well as really not real super family friendly. Yeah. So we're basically treated like a bar by the Able Commission, um, except we have to close at nine o'clock. They have there's all these silly rules that nobody really thought through long term, but they're changing those here in October whenever all the big changes from Senate Bill 383 go into effect. So we really, you know, got a little lucky and good planning to go ahead and be able to, we were able to sell beer out of the door December 1st. So nice. our first kegs rolled off the line December 1st of 16. And then we were able to accelerate the construction on the taproom side and actually were able to open that on December 10th. So there was really only a 10-day lag wow. of, from the two. And I was more looking at like an eight to year difference so I can concentrate on one side before I had to do more than I didn't want to do. Yeah. But it was like we were losing, we we're going to lose money if we couldn't open the taproom. So that was became P1 to get that open. And uh, we've been rocking and rolling ever since December 10th. Nice. Yeah, this is a very like, coming in here, it's just a very cool space it's really artsy and i really enjoy it and and it's like a prime location because you got broadway over there and like a lot of events happen mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of craft beer events that happen too down there so it's a really cool cool area for um to see people like come in and stuff as well as if, if, you know not being super familiar with oklahoma downtown oklahoma city there are in this within a, one, a half a square mile from this location they're going to add 2,500 more uh, living units, either condos or apartments. Wow. So that, the, all the plans that are in place and all the development that is already on the books ready to go, this area is going to do nothing but grow, have a lot more infusion of a lot more young folks. I mean, it's really, really re-urbanizing downtown. Yeah. So what, what made you choose Oklahoma City over other cities? Oh, I've, I've, uh, I moved here when I was a teenager as well. So I grew up in Edmond and I uh, went to high school in Edmond, finished uh, school at OU. So I've always been, uh, you know, it's hard to get, hard to leave Oklahoma once you get here. I yeah. you know it's, uh, it's, and it was really to pick, easy to pick Oklahoma City because the last five years, uh, from 10 years ago to the five years ago, you can really see how much, investment has been happening yeah you know uh, best one of the you know best mayors of all time uh mick Cornette has has been in charge and was able to pass a lot of the basic basically tax increases to rebuild the infrastructure in in, in the city mm -hmm. so all the money that's been going you know oklahomans have been reinvesting in their own town even if they didn't know it Everything's getting being reinvested. Then we get the thunder in. We get a little bit more of an identity, and yeah. the uh, the city is really a diamond in the rough. People that come in, I actually about three months ago we had a a couple that I met that came into the brewery. You know, like a lot of folks do. Like I do it when I go out of town. I look for some local breweries to go to. They were from Atlanta. Yeah. 
they traveled to Oklahoma City as a destination. They wanted to check out Oklahoma City. Hmm. That's the first time I've ever heard that in my life. Nobody, nobody ever comes to just, they have no family here. They just wanted to come check it out. Yeah. You know? And I was, I was shocked. I was like, this is where we've come in the last five years, that where actually people are, are interested and, and want to come to Oklahoma City for various reasons. And, it's, and having places like this in a downtown area as a destination draws, you know, draws people in. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I don't normally hear people wanting to move. To Oklahoma, just period, you know? Exactly. <laughs> They're like, what's in Oklahoma? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually the thing. Um, I have a quick question for you. Since you're from Chicago, you mentioned this to me, early, to, this to me earlier. Are you um, are you a Bulls fan at all? Oh, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. or Hawks. Yeah, Bulls, no. Hawks, Bears, unfortunately. Have you... <laughs> Have you, being in Oklahoma City, have you transitioned to being a Thunder fan, or do you still? Oh, absolutely, yeah, here? absolutely, yeah. There's, I, if there's a, if there's some games on, it's a Thunder game. Yeah, yeah. I, th- those kinds of um, old alliances have have been well overcome by uh, by the local teams. <laughs> That's awesome. So, what what started you getting into craft beer, and why 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 do you love craft beer? I've been brewing as a home brewer since 1991. So I was first introduced to it by a friend of mine who uh, did a homebrew batch in his kitchen. I mean, in growing up in college, um, I was I've always been a beer guy. Yeah. Um, I was the one in 1982 that was looking for the Beck's Dark or the Foster's Lager or that kind of stuff. So I've always loved beer. I've yeah. always loved good beer. And back then there was zero good beer in Oklahoma because we've always been a three-two state. Yeah. So when my buddy introduced me to something that he cooked up in a pot in his kitchen and was one of the better beers that I've ever had, I was like, oh, you need to show me how you did this. Yeah. And from <laughs> then on, it's just been out of control beer. That's awesome. What, what makes you passionate about craft, craft beer? Um, quite a few things. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it started as a, a creative outlet as well. You know, I spend all my day doing uh, more analytical things and not very creative things. When you get into the beer, you can, there's so many, so much variety and so many different flavors. You know, my epiphany beer was like an Orval from, from, from Belgium. So I Ooh. fell in love with Belgian beers and <laughs> I could make them. So <laughs> all I had to do, I didn't have to go anywhere. And back then as well, you know, a single bottle, you know, they sell a lot of those Belgian beers in singles when a single is eight bucks yeah and i have the technology in my kitchen to make two cases of that for 40 bucks wow. instead of 200 bucks you know my i had a i was young i had a small family then beer budgets were very slim yeah. and if i could <laughs> if i could make the beer that i loved instead of having to go buy it win-win yeah that's true <laughs> Cheaper to make it than it's to buy. It's cheaper to yeah. make it than to buy by far, especially back then. Yeah, that's funny. What was your very first craft beer you had? Do you remember or first craft beer? I mean, you can't consider like the Becks or the Fosters because those were macro back then. Uh, or, or the one that kind of changed your your flavor and profile and made you want to. I, I'd have to say the Sam Adams. Yeah, you know, Boston Lager. You know, when Boston Lager first came out, they're like, "Okay, somebody's finally doing it right." 
You know, mm -hmm. we still couldn't get a lot of that in Oklahoma, except through the liquor store. Really, back then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you even all anything above three two today is at a liquor store. Anything that's in a Seven Eleven is three two, yeah, or a Walmart or whatever. So you really, anything over you know the high alcohol beers, uh, you couldn't get, and you'd have to wait for it to chill down because you got it at the liquor store at warm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would go with I would go with the Boston Lager. Okay. And then, because even they were one of the first ones that had variety packs. So you'd have, you know, their cherry wheat, and you'd get their mm. stout, and you'd get, you know, this nice little variety pack out of them, too. And they did that 20 years ago. Yeah. That's crazy. And now they brew 50-something beers. Yeah. On that, on that note, talking about other breweries and whatnot, what um, brewery inspires you? Or has inspired you in the past when you were creating um, Twisted Spike, mm -hmm. or still inspires oh, you yeah. constantly. Top, I would say my my top five breweries in the country. Um, Oma Gang is really does a lot of Belgian styles beers, so I really love uh, their beers. They and they uh, are on one of the top on the list. And then uh, Lost Abbey in in San Diego, another Belgian style base and more sours. Okay. Um, Stone has always been good because they were just your in, the in-your-face marketing that you know yeah. they really brought uh, an edge and to craft beer. Uh, the brewery in uh, Anaheim, LA, just north of LA, they it's do a ton the, of sours. It's just called yeah. the brewery. The the guy's last name is Rue R U E. Uh, so it's brewery. <laughs> Catchy. Yeah, um, and then uh, Russian River in. Uh, just north of uh, San Francisco is phenomenal. They do a lot of sours. They're playing, they plant the elder, plant the younger. They've mm. got all those beers. And then, then the Colorado breweries, you've got, you know, the Avery's and the New Belgium's. Yeah. And, you know, one of my favorite, uh, Crooked Stave and downtown Denver. Uh, yeah. They do a, a ridiculous uh, amount of really, really good Brett fermentations. Um, uh, Midnight Sun in uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. They had, you know, I was, I was, they were really super new and crafty, you know, 15 years ago when I was making some trips with my FAA job up to Anchorage, and you know, they cool. had a bunch of really, really phenomenal beers there. So, um, Avery, I've watched Avery grow from a tiny little uh, industrial park to their 100,000 square foot facility in the last 15, 20 years. So they've That's got, they've got a going on there it's very they they are very all of those are very inspiring from not only a beer perspective but from the business end as well yeah yeah i love i love avery like everything they do and um no just drinking their beer is really fantastic too yeah yeah this is uh, i got to experience a lot of those at some different great american, great american beer fest as well yeah uh, i was looking at some pictures today that i Got my picture with Charlie Papazian, my picture with Steve Koch, <laughs> my picture with Garrett Oliver and Steve Kelly, you know, and uh, um, uh, What's Calagione's first name from Duckfish Head? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got you know, looking all through all those pictures. <laughs> I was like, one of these days, somebody else is going to take pictures of me with them. And they're be looking at those pictures. Bruce Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> we entered our first. I entered. I was able to enter three beers in the Grand American Beer Fest competition. That's this awesome. Year. So uh, that's coming up the first weekend in October. So we're really heading out there. There's no reason for us to have beer there since we're just in Oklahoma right now. We're brand yeah. new. 
So we're, uh, but I have access to the competition, so. Yeah. You never know when a medal might be coming. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. So for you, what is your favorite style to brew or what kind of beer style do you like the most? Um, I like, uh, probably my favorite style overall is a Belgian double. Ooh. Uh, we just brought our double on a couple weeks ago. It's our Monk's Crossing. Mm. So and a lot of nice Belgian fruity esters in those beers, as in most Belgian beers, and a nice uh, caramely toasty with a little bit of a finish with a sweet orange peel. Oh, wow. So it's toasty, it's caramely, it's not too dark fruited, but mm. and it's not super high ABV. I mean, I love my my uh, my Belgian quad, but it's. 9.8% alcohol. Yeah, wow. And it's a sipper and it's more of a winter wintery beer. I mean, that's one of our top, it is our top seller. And the holy beer crushes it. And yeah. you can enjoy one or two of those or I can have like <laughs> three or four doubles. Yeah. Which are much lower ABV and you know, not uh, not as inebriating. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. So, um I'm drinking one of your one of your beers. I think it's a blonde. Yeah, the Belgian blonde. The Belgian blonde. Kind of describe that and describe um, some of your some of your regular beers right now, mm-hmm. and then um, some of your seasonals. Sure. Uh, the Belgian blonde. It's a classic uh, Belgian style blonde. I mean, in all the competitions that I've been entering over the last few years, I've really become a style Nazi. Yeah. So because when you're entering competitions, you know, you're being judged by certified judges that are looking for various parameters for you to nail. So mm-hmm. and gaining success in those, you realize you can you hone your brewing skills basically to have the proper malt bill, use the proper yeast, use the proper temperature uh, ratios and temperature um, during various parts of the process. So that Belgian blonde and any Belgian blonde will have a nice fruity backbone. Um, some some little um, pear, some pear, not really apple, but nice fruity esters in it. Uh, a nice low uh, balancing bitterness from a saz, from a very noble uh, light saz hop, and uh, finish fairly malty, but not overly malty, but nicely well balanced. So the, all those things working. I like the complexity of those Belgian beers because mm. they. They, different parts of the beer will hit your mouth and your t- and your taste and your their aromatics at different times. And so yeah. when you're, most of the Belgian beers are a little bit more carbonated, so there'll be a lot more um, of the flavors of the beer released as aromas. So you're you're smelling it before you're drinking it. You're tasting all of the things going on, and then when you're exhaling, you know there's there's a lot going on in many beers not all beers but yeah. i like complexity hmm. so i want it i want you to be oh ah oh hmm yeah oh <laughs> now this now that oh that's getting a little warmer okay that's take that's releasing these flavors now that it didn't when it was slightly colder so yeah. i'm into complexity i want i want people thinking and experiencing their beer yeah so you do that with i you know, that, that's what i hope to achieve with mo- all of my beers so even in, uh, we have a, our IPA is a very West Coast, middle of the road IPA. Hmm. Um, so that being, so it's going to be a little bit more citrusy, a little bit more piney, 
um, crystal clear, uh, nice um, back end bitterness, not a ton of uh, floral front end, but enough of a you know of an aroma that you're, you're like, yeah, you know that this is an IPA. You can smell the hops. Yeah. You know, but it's balanced by the malt, and we use a real clean yeast on that. That doesn't do a whole lot. So you're actually you know you're experiencing all the malt and all the hops, hopefully in a really good balance. Yeah. And it's not over the top on either end, so it might be. Um, it is quite a bit less hoppier than uh, say a double IPA. Hmm. You know, or yeah, I've had a couple triple IPAs too, but you can get to the point of IPA or of a, of a hop saturation pretty quickly. Yeah. And then you can't taste anything else but the hops. So um, I do a milk stout or twisted stash, which is a very by the book milk stout. A little roasty, a little chocolatey. Hmm. The milk sugar that's in that that actually make it a sweet stout yeah. um, doesn't get fermented by the yeast so there's a tiny bit of residual sweetness to it and you get your chocolate and you get your roast and it's fairly low ABV as well it's only 4.8 it's a 4.8 beer so you can enjoy those and you know many, multiple multiple of those in, in a single in a single sitting nice uh, I have a, a saison that's a golden spike Ooh. It was inspired by a Omegang Hennepin. Omegang Hennepin is a is a pretty big saison, um, and I took you know those kind of flavors and then manipulated it a bit more to my taste. Where I put uh, in a 930 gallon batch, there's a there's 10 pounds of fresh sliced ginger that go into the boil. Wow! And a restaurant size container of black peppercorn. So it's slightly peppery, slightly um, gingered, the nice malt, and then on top of that I use a French Saison yeast that dries the heck out of the beer. It's just a ferocious yeast that eats almost all the sugar that's available. Yeah. So it has a really, it has a really dry finish, nice um, prickly tongue mouthfeel because of the higher carbonation. It's a great summer beer. Mm. Um, we do a Kolsch, uh, our crew. We've got the rowers downtown, so we are owed to the crew, uh, the rowers downtown. We have a crew. It's a nice, so another nice summer beer. Yeah. Those guys are working hard. They want to crush a few beers, so you (laughs) give them something nice and light. Yeah. So uh, that has also been, it's a a full-blown Kolsch that takes, that's the, that's the beer that takes the longest for us to brew. Okay. Um, most of the beers, all of the ales, we can turn those around in three weeks or less sometimes. Yeah. The Kolsch is a, is a light lager. So it's a four-week uh, fermentation wow. and a four-week lagering. Whoa. So that's an eight-week beer for us. Um, and it's because it's supposed to be lagered. So I lager it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm a rule follower. <laughs> so, if, uh, if it, whatever it takes, you know, whatever the process is, I mean, I, I spent a lot of money on uh, yeast yeah. because all of these beers are very, uh, the style, if you're going to keep it the style, which I do, mm-hmm. you're going to need to use the proper yeast. One of my biggest pet peeves when I go around the country to different craft breweries is like, wow, these all, a lot of these beers taste very similar. They're just different colors. Yeah. Or you can taste the different hops, but the bases, you know, one of your three major contributors to the different varieties and flavors is the yeast. So if you keep everything the same yeast, you just handcuffed yourself out of a whole lot of variety. 
Yeah. So all of these beers have a very distinct flavor. It costs a little bit more, costs a lot of it more to do that because yeah. I'm not reusing a lot of the yeast. If you use the same yeast and everything, you can reuse it batch after batch after batch after batch multiple times and cut your costs quite a bit. But if you're pitching a fresh batch of yeast every time for a, for a new style of beer, you know, but you get what you get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then our bigger beers, you know, we have that our holy beer, which has been our number one seller. It's a Belgian quad, so it's similar to a Chimay Blue. Wow. A big, strong, dark fruited Belgian quad, and then our Russian Imperial Stout that we call Black Snake, and then we do barrel aged versions of all that stuff as well. That's cool. And then the only one I left out, I believe, would be our our pale ale. Okay. That's a it's a classic pale ale. I mean, I get panned in reviews sometimes, like. Meh, pale ale. But <laughs> how I judge other breweries when I go, I was like, I want to taste their pale ale. I want to see if you can nail a relatively ubiquitous beer. Yeah. If you can nail a pale ale, then all right. You know, you know, I can I can trust you to to make some other <laughs> to go into the different directions and, and taste more of the beers. So huh. I'll have to I'll have to do that. I'll have to use that method now. <laughs> <laughs> If you like pale ales, I mean, I love pale, <clears throat> yeah. I love I, pale ale. I like pale ales. Yeah, that's my pizza beer. Yeah, pizza and burger beer, just yeah. pale ale. Usually that or like a Belgian wheat, or I'll, I'll do yep. that with like if I want to go light or something. Right, and then but you may ask about the seasonals as well. So um, what we discovered in making while we were doing our, you know, we started our sour program. Sours take forever, but the base for all of our sours is basically a Belgian wit. Yeah. So while we were. Um, brewing up and getting the sour program started and some of our seasonal stuff we discovered that the base belgian wit is freaking awesome yeah. and we just need to carbonate it so we made it one of our um one of our full-time seasonals so mm. depending on the season we'll do something with that wit you know and in the summer we'll um, do some strawberry on it and mm. the winter we'll put some coriander or do something christmasy with it uh, in spring, we'll come up with some citrus stuff. So, you know, that's one of our seasonals. I, I've never actually made until a couple weeks ago a East Coast IPA. Okay. Um, just yeah, East Coast IPAs to me look really muddy and not real pretty, and I like pretty beer. Yeah. So it was always something I was kind of like, uh, it's all cloudy. Uh. Yeah, they look they look like orange juice basically. Pretty much. Yeah. So I brewed up an East Coast IPA. I've uh, got some um, experimental hops from one of the hop um, companies in, ta- in town that came through and gave me a whole bunch of samples. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to whip out a uh, East Coast IPA. And the response to that was really good. Um, we did a CABO beer, the Craft Brewers Association. We did a collaboration of all Whoa. the breweries in, in the state. And each one of us got uh, about five, five or so <laughs> barrels of it. We still have some of that online. It was a big fundraiser for the CABO. <clears throat> Um, what other seasonals? We and then the uh, our Irish Red has been a, is going to be one of our fall seasonals. Mm. Um, it's a it's kind of a a little bit of a departure. I was getting all this feedback from all the people that were like, yeah, no, I really like those beers, but what's new? What's new? What's new? Yeah. So, you know, not everybody is a style Nazi. They want you know to cross the lines. We got a lot of great breweries in town that are. That are blurring a lot of things. You know, the Rufftail guys are awesome. The Four Five guys are awesome. Um, Coop is awesome. You know, Prairie and Total. I mean, we've got a bunch of really great stuff going on. 
and I was kind of moving in that direction, kicking and screaming. So my original recipe for the Irish Red was really just another base Irish Red, nothing yeah. too funky, too whatever. But I was like, all right, we're gonna do some some Galaxy dry hopping on it. <laughs> so I have a, a Galaxy dry hopped Irish Red. Wow. And it's really gone over really well too. So plain, you know, going outside my box, yeah, doing a little, having some fun and doing stuff like that is 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 really. Fun. Yeah, it's always fun to go outside the box. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it sells. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. What, um, for you, what makes you different than any other brewery anywhere? Uh, I think it, we really are differentiating on uh, the, the quality and the, the stylistic interpretation of everything. Um, if you, we, in Oklahoma, you know, yeah, we're, the craft beer industry is really on the up, but there's a lot of education that needs to go on that. You just can't be, I mean, in my opinion, you just can't be, you know, throwing all the people to the wolves and expecting them to know what's what in beer. Yeah. So from my perspective, I like the education part of, part of it. So I, if somebody is, you know, we get people in all the time that are, you know, you get a group of five guys, three of them are craft beer guys, two of them aren't. Yeah, and you try to you know instead of berating them like their friends do for not drinking craft beer, you're like, all right, these are these are some gateway craft beers. This is a Kolsch. Mm -hmm. These are these are not the non-macro stuff. This is these are the different uh, in the descriptions of the beer. They say, hey, these are these are these hops and these malts and these are what flavors are coming from. This is where the yeast flavor is coming from. So we're trying to be that little education portal in Oklahoma's craft beer. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, for you, what were what were some of the biggest struggles, or continually now, some of the struggles that that you had in making Twisted Spike, or currently? Um, any any enterprises you have to get off the ground. You know, it's all there's there's no budget for for marketing. There's no, you know it, it, everything is it, it just the costs for marketing and the cost of you know, survival. Your yeah. first couple of years till your name gets out. Either, you know, by first by word of mouth, and then we do lots of uh, you know, events and festivals, and just you know, marketing, marketing, marketing as, as best we could, uh, as best we can. Um, selling, you know, we we don't have staff for a salesperson, so there's you know myself and some of the owners are like, you know, we we do every, we we're constantly selling wherever we're going. Yeah. Know, I go out to a restaurant, I'm like. Wow, I noticed you don't have any Twisted Spike beers. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of Twisted Spike? Oh, guess what? I own it. Here, let me talk to your manager. Let's get some beers on tap. That's so funny. So it's, it's, it's all, you know, nothing sells itself. No matter how good anything is, nothing sells itself. Yeah. You're not going to be, you know, an instant, there's no such thing as instant success. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of grind. Um, mm. If you love it and really want to share your my passion and, and beer, then that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what would you say is the biggest misconception working in a brewery? Oh, that you get to drink on the job, <laughs> that it's always fun, and, you know, you enjoy it because you love, you, you know, you, the only reason, you know, you're, you're, you're going to make a ton of money. You're yeah. killing it. It's like, not in crap beer. There's so it's such slow. There's such small margins, and it is a lot of work. And if you don't like ninety percent cleaning, then then yeah. the brewery is not for you. 
Yeah. Because it's 90%. You know, when we're doing our large batches, it's pretty much part of our business plan. Uh, we have brewed 22 batches of beer Dang. this year. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a real big number, at, at, but at 30 barrels, so we're over 600 barrels our first year, which it was just about 100 barrels over my initial estimate, which yeah. is good. Um, but, you know, in doing that, there's so much other stuff to go on. Yeah. You, know, you know, learning the bottling line. It took us eight batches of beer to get going through before we really got our our, our running instead of crawling, walking, <laughs> jogging. Yeah. You know, last, you know, we did a hundred, we did over 120 cases our last run, which is, you know, we, uh, our first eight hours that we were using the bottling line, we had one bottle that came out right. You know, just, <laughs> just figuring out how there's a lot of, there's a lot of finding out and a lot of learning, especially from somebody that's never done it in a big commercial sense too. Yeah. So, you know, ramping up the scale was pretty difficult to get used to. You know, yeah. Yeah, I was doing 10-gallon batches in the garage. I'm doing 40-gallon starters to get the yeast going for 900 gallons. Wow. So that, you know, giant step in scale was, took a lot to get used to. Yeah. It was just so much beer. I bet. <laughs> that sounds like a lot. And kegs are really expensive. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> kegs are really expensive. Yeah. Return them whenever you buy. Whenever you get one, return them for your deposit. Yeah. Those, are, those things are expensive. Yeah. What um, What made you name Twisted Spike Twisted Spike? Right. When we were in, in initial concept phase, I wanted to keep it as Oklahoma as possible. So the first name that we came up with was Rose Rock. Because you can only get Rose Rocks in Oklahoma in a very small part of, of California. Not yeah. too edgy, not too craft beery, kind of girly. <laughs> so we, 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 finally, we got this space. So we sent it along this 10th Street location right next to the railroad tracks, right in downtown Oklahoma City Automobile Alley. So you got the trains, you got the cars, you got all downtown. Um, so I was looking at all kinds of images of cars and trains and I saw a bunch of pictures from uh, of bottle openers that blacksmiths make from railroad spikes. They make knives, they make a bunch of really cool stuff from that base iron spike. And I came across this one image of one that was a bottle opener that was twisted. And I was like, oh wow. I just said to myself, oh, that's a pretty cool twisted spike. I was like, twisted spike. <laughs> That'd be an awesome name. Yeah. And I called my wife and got the okay because she was you know she's been in with me from the get-go on all this and got i googled everything nothing twisted spike brewing i got on GoDaddy, got bought three domains <laughs> twisted spike brewing twisted spike brewery twisted spike whatever yeah. bought, you know for 45 bucks locked up all of the uh, domain names for it and 15 minutes and then i had that picture uh, that we have of, of that bottle opener are the bottle openers we have on sale out front. Oh, okay. So cool. I got a, I found that blacksmith, and wow. he makes all our bottle openers. He's made all my tap panels. That's crazy. So the, all of the inspiration was from that one picture of that bottle opener of a twisted railroad spike. That's crazy. That's awesome. And we keep <laughs> we can't keep those in stock. I sell probably fifty bottle openers a month. Wow, that's amazing. 
they're badass. Yeah. They're so badass. <laughs> what is your advice to someone that wants to open a brewery mm-hmm. or be in the beer industry or small business? Um, any small business is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, you got to have a good plan. You've got to know exactly what you want to do and then be willing to change it because everybody, like Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's true. So, yeah. <laughs> so you get punched in the face by the beer industry, you better be able to uh, handle it. Handle it. And yeah. my punch in the face was everybody was in the first six months, everybody loved the beer, but they wanted some variety. So, all right, get that pilot system going and get some stuff to bring people in the tap room to continue the buzz, continue the growth. Yeah. So you've got to be pretty flexible and, and work really hard. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many things, like, coming at you, yeah. like, from here, there, and everywhere. So how, how could people find you, interact with you guys, see what you guys are up to? What are your social mediums? Yeah, we do, a, we do a pretty fair job of our social media aspect because that's really inexpensive. Yeah. We have our, you got a hold of us through our Instagram. Yeah. Um, we've got, you know, the website pages is, are all up, the Instagram, the, my, our Twitter handle, and our Facebook stuff. So if you are following any or all of those, we try to do our, our, our best to keep those up to date. We have, you know, like every, every Thursday, every Friday, Saturday, we'll have a different food truck in here. So usually by, by Monday or Tuesday, we know which food truck is going to be here, and we're putting that out on social media, uh, who's going to be here, what times are going to be here. Um, we do a lot of um, game day stuff on Saturday and Sunday. We've got NFL Sunday ticket here. Nice. So we do, you know, uh, I like, I'm a big soccer fan, so it's kind of early in the morning on Saturday and Sunday for, for English Premier League televised stuff. Yeah. So we're trying to get a bunch of soccer players and soccer viewings in here in, on, on the weekends as well. So just mm-hmm. anything to, to get people in the door and, to, and discover, you know, uh, on a week-to-week basis from day one from our point-of-sale service, uh, point-of-sale um, service operating thing, we tell that we have 70% new business every day, every week, every month, 30% repeat. Nice. So we're still in that, you know, 70% of people walking in the door have never been in here before. Yeah. So. Wow. That's cool. Hopefully well, we can keep that up. Yeah. What's your favorite soccer team? Uh, Arsenal. Oh. Arsenal's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, I'm I'm a Man City fan, so everyone either hates me, or kind of is like on the fence. With me. <laughs> They're like, I'm glad you're not Manchester United, but you basically kind of stole Manchester's name. So yeah, <laughs> different club, same city, yeah. different club. Yeah, Just gotta gotta pick a club. So <laughs> stick with it, yeah. ECO. So well, I'm thankful. To, uh, Thankful to have you on the Loki podcast, and uh, I hope people come check out and drink some of your drinks. Yep, yeah, we'll say we'll post some social media stuff on. Hey, we just did a podcast with Loki. Check it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll just get it out there. Get everybody out there. Yeah, you know, we've done some other podcasts with the Thunderheads. Yeah, so we, we've invited. They've come in here. We've done several um, different podcasts for Thunderheads being in here. So cool. Kind of a new thing for me. I'm kind of old school and podcast. <laughs> It's just it's just radio that's yeah downloaded whenever you can. Just radio for millennials. Yeah, because <laughs> they want it. They want to know their story when they want it, not when they, somebody else is broadcasting it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's all instantaneous. Instantaneous. Yeah. All right. I'll see you later. All right. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, and thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. 
If you're ever in Oklahoma City, go check out Twisted Spike. Go drink some brews and try their holy beer. Believe me, you won't regret it. And go check out all their other social mediums, Instagram, Facebook, and their website. Also, guys, go check out the low-key website and check out um, our Instagram and Facebook. Go and follow us. Go and like us. Also, go check out what we're doing on our website. We got t-shirts on sale, and there's some vlogs here and there. So, guys, also, if you... If you listen to the podcast and don't subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you do listen to the podcast and are a subscribers, subscriber, rate and review our podcast. Okay, guys, that's it in low-key land. Keep it nice. Keep it easy. Keep it low-key.